God is so good. Amen. Enjoying this, uh, this little tune. I don't know if you can hear it online or not, but the music that's playing here right now, it says, you are good. You are good to me. God is so good to us. Amen. You know, I've been, uh, I've been preparing my heart for this message all week. I've been, uh, under the weather, so I was at home and uh, just had lots of extra time. And, uh, so I guess I'm, with all the extra preparation, I'll probably be preaching a little longer today. Just kidding. Just kidding. I know you wish I would, but uh, just kidding. Yeah, so it's good. It's good. We're in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 today, and uh, I don't know if you were here or if you were online last week and you heard Pastor Matt what an amazing message. Uh, this, is, this Ephesians is such a great book full of awesome content. And Pastor Matt had six points last week, and, and I'm going to outdo him. Uh, I've got a lot of points. They, sometimes they call it porcupine messages because uh, there's a lot of points, but it's, it's all right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through it, God willing. Uh, you have to listen fast, and uh, if I think you're falling asleep, I'll just go a little longer give you a good rest, okay? Yeah, if you don't know who I am, my name is Mike Schroeder, and my wife and I are part of the pastoral team here, and we're so honored to be part of you, part of this church, serving the Lord. You know, Jesus knows your name. He knows everything about you. He loves you. He, he died on the cross for you. He wants you to respond to him personally and, and to know his love, know his forgiveness, know his, his freedom from sin and shame and to know the goodness of God. And God, Jesus, he, he cares about each and every one of us individually so much. But he's all about the church. He's all about the corporate. He's all about being together, loving one another. I was just talking to someone who felt like that's one of the things God is saying to us this morning, is that, that Jesus wants us to learn how to love one another. And, you know... For us to love one another takes a little bit more than just a nice warm feeling as we're sitting on our couch thinking about life church. Our, our, to love one another is to get involved with each other's lives and to, to be there for each other and to encourage one another. And uh, so I just want I, I to encourage you with that. This, is, uh, this message, the title of this message is The Glorious Church. And uh, God is preparing a people for himself. There, the Bible talks about uh, the wedding supper of the Lamb and how that the church is the, the bride of Christ, the Lamb of God. And uh, Jesus is all about the church. And so today's message, it, it's going to be uh, filled with all kinds of controversies and it might get some of your hearts ticking a little bit faster. Uh, there's a lot of controversies that I'm going to bring up out of these uh, out of this passage, because that's what's that's what's there. Hot topics, as they say, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna get through those, and it's gonna be just a, a very powerful introduction, and then it's going to be a great message of what this scripture is actually talking about. So let's dive right in to Ephesians chapter five. Then we're gonna pray. And then we'll get into this message. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 31. Okay? Are you ready? And further, submit 
There's a, there's a word we don't think about a lot because we're all about our rights, aren't we? We're all about human rights and rights in Canada and rights to wear a mask and rights to not wear a mask and, and all of those things and freedom and, and all of that. But the, the Bible says that this is a word that's in the Scripture. And we can't just go, oh, well, that was for then, not for now. Oh, boy, look at that, eh? I already got started. We haven't even got started, and look at that. Okay, submit to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Verse 22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And amen, amen. Verse 23, for a husband is the head of, head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his, of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, verse 25, for husbands this means love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. Verse 27, he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, verse 31, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking about Christ and the church. Verse 33, so again I say each man should love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I don't know about you, but I think I need to pray and ask God for help. So let's... Uh, Let's pray. Can we pray? Lord, thank you that your word is alive and it, it teaches us, it fills us with truth, uh, it guides us, uh, it helps us to know you better, helps us to know how to live. Well, I pray, God, that you would move in this place today. Uh, anyone who's in the sound of my voice, online, on demand, uh, on podcast, I pray, God, that your word would be strong in all of our hearts. And everybody said, Amen. So three of the greatest controversies of our generation are found here in this scripture. Uh, and uh, one of them is, is the role of women. And uh, there's a lot of women in our church, and I, I'm grateful for the fact that women feel free in our church because I believe that's really what, uh, the, the, what Christianity has brought to this planet is freedom for women. And uh, there's, there's no other culture, any Christian-based culture, is not, it's not perfect, but it's the most freedom of any other culture in history. And uh, if you look at, uh, I was talking to my barber who's from Iraq and, and, uh, yesterday, and, and he was talking about how that when he was little, in Iraq, there was, it was beautiful and there was freedom, and then things changed. And when culture shifts away from uh, free religion and freedom to worship God, uh, 
things start falling apart. He was talking about the same thing in Lebanon, same thing in Jordan. And if you look all around the world, when people get away from Christian culture, there's less and less freedom and more and more oppression, especially, especially to women. You know, 95 years ago, this happened in Canada. 95 years ago. Now, my, someone was saying uh, that there's a 95-year-old person in the room today. And I don't want to embarrass anyone, but we do have some people that have lived a long time. And 95 years ago, just one lifetime ago in Canada, the Supreme Court was asked to answer the following question. Does the word person in Section 24 of the British North America Act include female persons? After five weeks of debate, the Supreme Court of Canada decided that the word person did not include women. That's amazing, isn't it? Just two years later, fast forward two years, which is 93 years ago, women were declared, hallelujah, as persons. The British Privy Council declared that women are persons and could therefore be appointed to the Senate of Canada. So thank God for our British roots. Uh, you know, the, the Church of England pulled through again. Hallelujah. But, uh, you know, Christianity and, and God's truth and, and Jesus and his work and his word go back to the year 57 A.D. when the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Galatians. And he said the following. He said there is no longer Jew or Gentile. He said there's no longer slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ. We had it long ago. Now, like I said, we haven't always done it right. That doesn't take away from the fact that this is God's way that men and women are equal in, in Christ. Hallelujah. I think, I think there should be more grins on the faces of women here today. I, I don't know about you, but this is really good news. In our culture, you know, the social, the, the, the social structures have taken these agendas and have just pushed them at us and pushed them at us and pushed them at us, but from an ungodly angle, an ungodly culture of me first and my rights and all of that, but the, the fact is, is that women are free and women are equal. Now, there is, <laughs> oh my, I, I'm just going to stop there right now. I'm just going to stop right there. So the first, because I'll tell you what, this is just the introduction. It's not the message, okay? But the first thing is that, that in this scripture, there's an equality between men and women. And it comes in verse 21. And if you maybe could flip back on the slides to verse 21, this is the beginning of this passage that's so controversial, it says, submit yourselves one to another out of reverence for Christ and the fear of God. It doesn't start off by women submitting to men and men lording it over women. That's not the point of this scripture at all. The point of this scripture we're going to get into later, but it, you know, the role of women is something that's very important uh, to God's heart. The second great uh, controversy is the essence of marriage. And, you know, I, I could get into all kinds of 
problems. And uh, this is going to be on the record, it's going to be online, and it's going to be all around the world. But the essence of marriage is found in here. And uh, when Jesus quoted a scripture that's quoted here, there's a scripture that's quoted in, uh, in uh, what, what verse is it? Yeah, in, in, in verse 31 here in the passage, over to, and quoting Genesis. Je when Jesus quoted this scripture, this is what he said. God made them male and female from the beginning. And, uh, you know, even, <laughs> I'm just going to say it, even, even uh, the, uh, the uh, Supreme Court nominee in the U.S. right now, apparently, this is just something I read, and I hope it's not true, but apparently it's true. Uh, she was asked, how, you know, what, how do you define a, a woman, and she wouldn't answer. And because people are having such a hard time with, with all of the, the messages that are out there, the anti-God messages. But when Jesus was asked about marriage, he went here. He said, this is what you need to look at, how it was from the beginning, male and female. And he went on to say, Jesus quoting that scripture, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother I'm reading from Mark 10 here. Leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And since they're no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So monogamous sexuality, again, just a, one of those hot topics. But, you know, God designed sex for within the, the realm of a monogamous committed marriage relationship. That's how God designed it. And it's for life. And it's meant to be until death us do part, and it's meant to be heterosexual, the essence of marriage. Did I just say all that? I did. And I believe that's uh, the right thing to say and the right way to say it. Uh, the third great controversy is the navigation of the uh, husband and wife relationship using words like love and laying down your life and submission and respect and, and giving of yourself. And, uh, you know, it's not all about what I can get out of marriage. It's about what I can give in marriage. And uh, the Bible talks about submitting one to another. All through Scripture, the Bible talks about loving one another. And uh, these, these words are, are loaded in our day and age. And it's very, very foreign in our day and age in the public. But this is the church. The church is where you'll hear God's truth. And we may not always get it right, but we are focusing on wanting to be faithful to God's word. And that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm taking the time to go through this. Um, and uh, I want to just read something that, that I wrote out because I think that it's very important with the, in the context of loving your wife and respecting your husband. Uh, I just want to read this out loud. I have, uh, have it on the, on the screen as well. These directives show the special sensitivities and inherent weaknesses of husbands and wives. Love and respect, security and significance. Now, it's a generality that men have this sensitivity and this need for uh, significance and respect. And that's something that, that men actually need. 
and women need it too, but men especially are sensitive in this area. On the other hand, women are very uh, sensitive to the idea of being loved and feeling secure in that. Now, men need that as well, but especially, there's a special sensitivity in the heart of women to be loved and, and, uh, and cared for and, and, and feeling secure. For example, showing kindness might tend to be perceived by men as being respected. And showing kindness to a woman, they may might tend to be uh, perceiving that as being loved. And of course, unkindness, on the other hand, will be perceived by men as disrespectful, but by women as unloving. That's just the, the grid that, that we see life through. And uh, being hurt uh, may result in the man withholding affection. And so if, if a man feels hurt, he might be harsh and he might be withholding love to his wife. And the woman being hurt might withhold her respect. And both will feel somewhat justified in that. Uh, doesn't make it right. And so we, we need to walk through these things carefully. And when we read this scripture, uh, we, we can't be using this scripture as, uh, as a brick to beat our spouse over the head. Okay? Uh, and I think, what, I think what, what men tend to do especially is be very pushy around these ideas and, and around this, uh, these scriptures. But that's partly because we've missed verse 32. Verse 32, and here's where we get into the good part of the message. All right? I only have 10 points under verse 32. And so, but we're going to get through them fairly quick because they, they all sort of say one or, or one or two things. But uh, verse 32 says this. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and, and the church. So I want to know about you, because I've, I've read this so many times in my, in my life, and, and I've thought about it, and I've preached on it a little bit, because, you know, a little bit is plenty. <laughs> but this portion of Scripture isn't about relationships between husbands and wives. This portion of Scripture is about Christ and this church. Now, why do I think that? Because it says that that's what this is about. And I want, I want to just be fully transparent here today. I, you know, I'm getting old and I'm starting to catch on to a few things here. I've read this scripture so many times and I'll tell you the first thing I don't think about is Christ in the church. I think about husbands and wives because that's what it looks like. But Paul says, listen, this is a mystery, and thank God, because you know what? <laughs> this is a mystery. How does this work? It has to work. It has to be worked out. And sometimes it takes a lifetime, and some of you have been married a long time, and, and some of you were married for a short time, and, and uh, you know what? We need to be able to get through this and work this out, but it's intended that it would be a mystery, and it would intended that it would take work and attention because we tend to be kind of selfish and we need to learn, especially the guys need to learn how to lay down our life for our, our wife. A resounding amen from the guys, yes. And the women, yeah, you can say amen to that too. 
This is a profound mystery. It's, it's not easy. And, of course, he's specifically relating here to, you know, in Genesis 2.24, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I'm speaking about Christ and the church. How is it that this is talking about Christ and the church? And we're just going to quickly walk through the entire uh, portion once again and point this out and look at this because once, once you have your eyes open to it, and I, I looked at it, in fact, I've got, I've got these things highlighted, it's quite amazing how much is in here about Christ and the church. But I'll tell you, because of all of the controversies and the, the agendas, the social agendas of, our, of, of the last 9,500 years and, and prior to that, thousands of years, but especially here in modern Canada, you know, with all the agendas here that are out there from, you know, gender issues, women's issues, uh, marriage issues, and on and on it goes, because of all of those things, I've personally, I've tended to miss this. But this scripture is about Christ and the church. And the first, uh, the first verse of this portion, verse 21, talks about submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ. And you know, if we don't have reverence for Christ, if, we're, if we've embraced Christianity because we feel like we need to have our act together and God needs to save me and it's all about God doing something in my life, we will miss it because it's all about Jesus, actually. Uh, if, I hope it's not a, you know, hope it's, I hope you don't mind. But the truth is, it's not about you and me. It's about Jesus. And he is the one who is the head of the church. He is the one who is the Lord. And Christianity, the message of faith, is serving Christ, being a follower of Jesus Christ, not having my needs met. Now, God loves you. I start out this message. God knows you. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. He knows everything about you. He, he, just, he just thinks the world about you. But really, he's all about the church. Jesus is about the church, and we need as a congregation to look at ourselves individually, yes, and to love one another individually, yes, but we need to love the church. And let me just say, too, that as we're coming out of this quagmire of COVID for two years, I, I just want to urge you uh, to love people enough to invite them back into fellowship. We've been in isolation long enough. Let's come back together. And I encourage you, you know, if you're watching this online and you have to work on Sundays, I understand that there's things that come up. But, you know, let's, let's start moving toward understanding that it's not just about me and how I'm doing. It's about Jesus and his church, and he wants us to be together to worship him because there's something powerful that happens that can only happen in the context of church because Jesus... It's, you know, he, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. Anyone else believe that? But the Bible says here that he died on the cross for the church. He did it for the church because he loves the church. And he wants to bring the church to himself. We need to be uh, looking at uh, how can we show more reverence for Christ and less interest in ourselves. Whoa. That's how we respond.
Uh, Christ is the head of the church. He's the boss. He's the boss of me. Come on, is anybody the boss of you or are you the boss of you? Listen, Jesus is the boss of you. Christ is the head of the church. He's the Savior. Look at this. He's the Savior of his body, the church. He loves the church. Do you love the church? Do you think about the church? Do you love the church? Is your life focused on the church? God, that's, that's where God wants us to be. And of course, we're going to have our needs met. God's going to look after us. But if not, it's all going to be made well in heaven. Every tear will be dried up. It, not on this life, not in this, on this planet, but in, in eternity, all the wrongs will be made right. All the I's will be dotted. All the T's will be crossed. All the justice will happen. There will be justice for those people that that die for their faith in prisons all around the world. There's going to be justice for the uh, Ukrainian people. There's going to be justice for all of those oppressed peoples. God's, God's going to be looking after it, but he's all about the church. And in the midst of freedom and in the midst of oppression, the church has always carried on. It's never been snuffed out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 24, as the church submits to Christ. The church submits to Christ. You know, if I, if I don't feel like serving Christ, you know, God cares about that. But that, just because God cares about how I feel doesn't mean he doesn't want me to do what he wants me to do. <laughs> and if I'm, if I'm a disciple of Christ, if I'm a Christian, I, I can't just do what I want. I have to do what Jesus wants me to do. And so do you. As individuals and as a group, we want to be people who submit to Christ. Amen. Amen. Verse 25. The Bible says Christ loved the church. Jesus loves the church. Everything he wants the church to be involved in. Everything he wants the church to be doing. Every command that he has been, that has been given there's so many commands. At the, the, uh, there's a, a Greek tense, excuse me, or voice or whatever they call it, called imperative. And all the imperatives are really for our benefit uh, and will benefit us, but they're designed that the church would be strong. Jesus loved the church. Verse 27, he did this. Why? What did he do? He died on the cross. He shed his blood for us. Why did he do that? Because he wants to present her to himself as a glorious church. And Jesus, Jesus, he, he wants to present us to himself. He wants to be with us. He really loves us. He really wants to hang out with us. He thinks that we're the apple of his eye. He, we're, his, we're his favorite wife. We're his only wife. <laughs> we're the bride of Christ, and he loves us. We're, his, we're, we're meant to be his best friend, his most loyal followers. We're meant to submit to him, and he's going to lay down his life for us, did lay down his life for us. He proved his love to us individually, but as a body, Jesus Christ cares for the church. Kick something here. 
Jesus Christ cares for the church. And uh, that's jumping down to uh, verse 29. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Um, just want to find my notes here, make sure I'm kind of not missing anything here. We are members of his body, and I just want to close with this point, that when we think about that, Jesus identifies with us so closely as a church and as, as a group, as an entity of itself, that he's, he's, he calls us part, literally parts of his body. Now, when we think about the word member, uh, member, so often, again, we think about it very, very personally and in a way very self-centeredly. You know, I'm just going to join, and if I like it, I'm going to keep joining. And if I don't like it, I'm not going to join. And if they change their mind and I don't like what they're doing, I'm going to unjoin. But that isn't even what the sense of this word member is. It's, again, it's, it's like a, a body part. That's really what this word member refers to. That when we're part of the body of Christ and we're part of the church, we are so connected, we're like a body part. And I've, I've often said this, and I hope you don't get tired of me, but if you hold up your hand, just like this, and, okay, so now which finger shall I cut off? If I just want to, just, just one. I mean, you've got five. Isn't it okay? Can, maybe I should just take your pinky because, after all, I could even just take half of it. I could leave you the other half. And, and that doesn't really appeal to you, does it? I, I hope it does not appeal to you. <laughs> but that's, that's the way we look at, at, at being part of the body of Christ. It's like, well, you know, if I leave, it, it's okay. If I don't participate, it's okay. If I don't pull my weight and do my part in the body of Christ, if I don't function well, it's really okay. It's, I'm really more like uh, an appendix, you know, an appendix in the body of Christ. You know what, we, we don't know why there is an appendix, and people seem to be able to function okay without them, but we don't really know how important they are, and God made it that way. There's no body parts that we want to do without. Amen. And Jesus is so closely identifying himself with the church. As he says, it's like Jesus is the head of the body, the church, and, and the rest of the body is you and me. He identifies with us. He wants, listen, God wants the church to succeed. Jesus is building his church. He's praying for his church. He's loving his church. He gave himself for his church. And he, is, he invented this institution of marriage with all of its mysteries to help us get it that it's really important to be part of the church. And all of these agendas that are in our lives, all about our own rights and our own comforts and our own this and our own that, those motives and motivations are so strong, and he's just saying, listen, I care about all that. Here's some guidance in all of that, husbands, Lay down your life for your wife. Wives, to have respect for your husbands. Yes, indeed, that's so important. But really, this is all about the church. I'm using this example, he says. It's the most 
in-your-face example, you know, what marriage is all about, how you define gender, and all of those things that are so in our face in our culture, especially now in Canada and this, in these years. He says, listen, that's, that's all important. But what I'm really about, I'm really about the church. Jesus loves the church and gave himself for her. Our response then, our response is to honor Jesus. Our response is to submit to Jesus. Our response is to have respect for Jesus and to love him and bless him and serve him all of our days. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? What a powerful scripture that is. Amen. Let's, let's stand up and let's just pray together. Uh, we're going to transition just to a time of response, but I just want to pray for you. And uh, let's just ask the Lord to help us. I need God to help me with this because I get distracted by all this stuff about my rights and my wants and my comfort. I don't, maybe I'm the only one, but I need help to just put Jesus first and submit my life to him. Amen? Jesus, help us. Jesus, thank you for your word. Lord, you're the creator. You're the designer. You designed us a certain way with all of our foibles and weaknesses and, and the perspectives that we have as, as individuals. But I thank you, Lord, that you love us enough to accept us the way we are, but don't leave us the way we came. Make me new, Lord. Lord, come and fill me up, Holy Spirit. Teach me your ways, Lord. I want to follow you to see you more clearly and to love you more dearly and to follow you more nearly day by day by day. In Jesus' name. Yeah, what a great word. Thank you, Pastor Mike. That's so good. Oh, I love it. God is so good, church. And one of the things I just wanted to highlight from Pastor Mike's message this morning is that we live right now in very uncertain times. Uh, there are many things that are happening around us that seem to be spiraling out of control. And, and I would argue that this is not uncommon. I would argue that every generation experiences this. And in every generation, there's this thought that kind of floats around that says, oh man, things are going to get worse before they get better. Man, definitely things are going to go down and, you know, what's going to happen to the church? What's going to happen to the church? But we serve the great God and King. And this is what he says in his word in Matthew chapter 16. He gathers the disciples around him and he says, listen, who do, who do, who do people say that I am? Some, and they responded to him, say, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you, you are Peter. And on this rock, the rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the earth, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, God's not coming back for a weak and anemic church, but he is God and he is in charge. And he is returning for a glorious church. Amen. And you say, well, who is the church? You just look around you right now. 
we're the church. We're the body of Christ. And God is coming back for a glorious church. You know what that means? That He is glorifying us. He is raising us up. And by His grace, we are saved today. And it's for His glory. And it's for His glory. So with that in mind today, in faith, let's sing about His greatness. Let's sing about the greatness of God. And we're going to sing as we close today, such an awesome God. I'm going to pray for you. we got some announcements, and we'll release you today. Amen, church? Come on, sing it. Such an awesome God, so mighty, so holy, so God, we rely on your faithfulness. God, we rely on your holiness, God, and that you are worthy and you are righteous and there is no one like you, Lord God. We rely on our awesome God who is faithful to take us, Lord God, and he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. And so our hope is in you today, Lord God. We thank you that you are preparing a glorious church. God, not a weak, anemic, 
and tired out church, but God, a church that is full of life, full of grace, and full of glory. Father, we pray this week, Lord God, that you would send us out from this place full of faith, Lord God, ready to do the things that you've called us to do. Help us to represent you well as the body of Christ, and help us to be the church to the world around us, Lord God. We ask it now in Jesus' name, strengthen those who are downtrodden and weak. Lord, strengthen those who are sick today, Lord God. Strengthen those who are hurting in Jesus' name. And we pray for your grace to flow through us this week, Lord God. We thank you so much that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated for just a moment as we close today. Just a few announcements for you. 